How are you all doing today? This is the Jeff Salgado Show with my co-host, Michael Boyd. What's up, man? Not much. Just loving this day. It's Sunday, August 9th. Probably around this afternoon. I'm not going to say what time it is because I don't really care. But I'll tell you one thing. It is 97 degrees, and this whole week is a fucking 100 degrees. God damn it. I'll be in the air conditioning. Lucky you. Today, we have an interview with the legendary skate punk band out of San Francisco, California, The Boneless Ones. And in that interview, we also have Max the Vocalist and Chris Contos on drums. He will be joining us real soon. So... How have you been and what you been up to, Mike? Nah, I'm good, dude. I've just been working on mixing the new EP for The Bitters, getting that all finished up. Got to figure out the artwork for it and everything. I think I might actually commission someone and stop doing everything myself. Smart. So, yeah, finally take, take one of the things off of my list of shit to do and just have somebody else come up with something. You guys, how many songs you got on the EP? This will be a five-song EP, so it's still short. It's punk. I think the longest song on there is three minutes long. Yep, yeah, that's punk rock. That's punk rock. How about you, man? What you up to? I've been exhausted. Um, all night last night, I was in Vacaville with my friend Jesse Davis uh, editing our new video that we shot uh, a couple weeks ago. And um, I had to drive home after that, and I was, like, blurry-eyed. I was like, man, I haven't done this since I was, like, going home from shows in the Bay Area, which was awesome. How late was it? It was about, I want to say I got home at about 3.30. Ooh. It was brutal. But we uh, we edited the whole thing, and it was brutal. But now we got to go back and, like, clean up some stuff and maybe some of the edits. But we're really excited with it. It'll be premiered uh, later this year, probably in September, maybe October. I'm not sure when. But um, we have a new single coming out that will be out really shortly before our album release, which will come out August 28th. Um, you can go to the Nefarious Industries website to order pre Pre-orders are still online. Um, you got package deals. Some of them have T-shirts in it. Just go check it out at NefariousIndustries.com. Um, we have CDs and vi- colored vinyl, and those things are going to be pretty sick. They nice. are numbered 1 through 300 for the first 300 numbered and then they also come with some goodies and stuff like some sticker maybe Sick. maybe or maybe something else we'll have to see you have, to, you have to order it to find out but you'll be pretty pretty surprised and they are collectible so other than that um i've been drawing my hand hurts i'm gonna draw after this so after we're done doing this podcast i gotta get home boogie and just get on that easel i got a new design i'm gonna whip up for the single that's coming out i can't say what it is yet but it's we're really excited about it surprises Yes, lots yeah. of surprises. And um, other than that, just been trying to stay cool. The, the heat is murder, and um, it's not going to get any cooler no, ever. Oh, it's not. Ever. <laughs> it's, it's, we live in hell. For sure. So now we have our interview with this band called The Boneless Ones. I love them very much. They're uh, promoted on a couple converse, compilations back in the day, one through Thrasher Magazine and another one called uh, Boners Be Poppin', which is really cool. Had uh, another couple bands on it with uh, Fang, Special Forces, Verbal Abuse, and Blast. Really cool comp. And then um, Thrasher Magazine, Skate Rock. I can't remember exactly which. I think it's number three. Yep, it was number three. And they released their album, uh, Skate for the Devil, which is really cool. And it's actually been re-released on Beer City Records. And Beer City Records is also the label of the band Death Wish that we interviewed last week. So here we go. Max and Chris, how you doing? Good. Chilling. Yeah, really, really great. Fuck yeah. Beautiful day. It's great to have you on. You know, I I love the Boneless Ones. I remember you guys were on the Skate Rock comp, and then I I heard the album, the Skate for the Devil, 
way long time ago and it was so cool because at that time i remember you had bands like los alvidados the faction jfa you guys were all in that whole scene and it was really cool so glad that you guys made a return how you guys doing doing good doing good as, as well as anybody can be doing right it's a pretty tough time out there for everybody involved in the, in the entertainment for sure so max um when did you uh start the band and how did that go um, it's very interesting story. Uh, the band initially started in 1983, the first show. Uh, it's really, in fruition, it really started in 84, but the first show was in 1983. There was a magazine, uh, put out by Aaron Comet Bus, which was, uh, a local kid, and the magazine was called, uh, Low Whip Comet Bus. And there was a picture on the cover of me and two other two other punk rockers, Johnny Puke and Tim Sellef. Tim Sellef was the kid that got hit over the head oh, man. Uh, at the Misfits concert. And we were on the cover of the magazine, and Joel Chavez is performing a trick across our skateboards. And it's called a boneless one. It's a maneuver. And I was at a, at a show at the Mabuhe Gardens, and a young guy came up to me and said, Oh, aren't you the guy from the boneless one? And so he had mistaken the cover of the magazine as a band photo and assumed that the us four were a band when we weren't. There was no such thing as the bonus one. That's awesome. So we actually ran with the name. Now the first gig was interesting because it was Tom Dean. Now Tom Dean owns the Metro now in Oakland, the venue. And Tom Dean back in the early 80s had a speakeasy that it was running in West Oakland called the Sauce Factory or the Sauce Room. And it was an old tornado, like a tornado processing warehouse. The top floor was ever so slightly angled, so the tornadoes rolled into the middle. So that was the dance floor. By the end of the night, everybody was dancing in the middle of the room. They had all gone down in the groove. It was kind of interesting. So it was opening night of the of the side. I'm not making any of this. No, this is deep. I love fucking. This is like brain deep, dude. I love it. Yeah, this is like history. Yeah. Right. So, oh fuck, uh, yeah, dude. These this, clubs, this this place this place opened at eleven or twelve at night, and it didn't even open. It was an after hours club. It was a speaking, and they served, you know, obviously, and um, they served anybody actually. Yeah. So we were the opening band on the opening night of the Sausage. And it was kind of a weird joke. We have Dave Chavez playing bass. Tom Montana, who's a racer, motorcycle racer, and he's uh, he's married to Rebecca now. Rebecca and, Hammett. Uh, yeah. And so, and our first drummer, Kevin Eikenser, we just went up there and we played three songs. Who's, wait, hold on. Who, kind of hacked through it. Who's Rebecca Hammett? And we actually. Rebecca Hammett uh, is Kirk, Kirk Hammett's. Ex-wife. Oh, oh, wow. yeah. Okay, right. Yeah. So Tom Montana. <laughs> Tom Montana. Said, uh, the reason that gets put in is because Tom Montana has his fingers in, you know, and his the writing, you know, the yeah. writing, and also some early Exodus and touching to the. Oh, yeah. you know, wrote all the first killer songs for the Boneless Ones, and. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, he was, was Robbie. That was just he how incestual the fucking scene actually is. A little energy. Yeah, well, he was Robbie's roadie. So he right. went on tour with, with the band at, for, for helping Robbie. And right back then, Chris Ritter was, well, Chris Ritter was, what's his name, sorry. So it was all these Berkeley guys for the road. Yeah, you know what I mean? Sure. Chris Ritter yeah. was Tom's road. So uh, anyway, uh, 
so first gave Tom Montana, Dave Chavez, uh, really one off kind of weird thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. We and ended Ike up playing. Was on, Ike was on drums then, right? Right. Yeah. Kevin Eikenser was on drums. Right. So we played the same three songs twice. It was one of those things where we got done. We were like, all right, let's do it again, you know? And everyone was like, right on. And it was so new. Nobody knew it. Fuck, did they just play the same songs twice? Yeah, I think they did. That was good. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it was just funnier than shit. But we it's started crazy. playing. We started. That is crazy. Go ahead. Because, well, I just want to interject right there. It's like, that's what was crazy about punk rock in its earliest form, uh, you know, through that period was that. The same thing was going on at CBGB's. Bands were going up there and fucking oh. basically like rehearsing their live set. You know yeah. what I mean? It's oh, like, well, I, you know what's like funny is you do, and I, I'm going yeah. to sell out a little bit in that. I just watched that Billy Gogo's thing, right? I and saw it's that funny. too. It's, just, it's, a, it's a documentary, right? Yeah, that was good. And it's all them, and they say, I know, right? I'm, I'm, all, I, I'm guilty. I watch it. And it's them, and they, she fully says, uh, and these are the good musicians, uh, like Gina Shock and all, uh, and uh, the the guitarist Whelan. She says, "Dude, we didn't know how to play. We were just teaching ourselves." And I went, right. "That's right. None of us were any good at all." That first yeah. gig, dude, I was hiding behind the speaker monitor, the PA. <laughs> I was hiding behind it. I was so scared. I was like peeking my head behind. And to think, fast forward like a year later, all drunk and repeat, la la la, you know, falling around. Right. So there's the fast forward right there. It's having Wes Robinson, who was really kind of a regular guy, because Wes managed Dave Chavez's band in the late seventies. Which band was that? And Exiles. Exiles. Okay. This is way. This is before Code of Honor. Oh wow. Or this is okay. before Sick Pleasure. Right. Like, oh, yeah. So, and there was a rock band, and Wes was a manager. Wes was like this manager, rock manager. So we only Wes forever. It was. Like, it wasn't, oh, who was this guy at the door? Wes Robinson. We were like, oh, fuck. Wes is managing the club. Oh, boy. This ought to be interesting. So we all had history with Wes already walking into it. And, uh, you know, good or bad, it was Wes Robinson. You knew what you were doing. You knew what you were getting. Hey, that's Wes. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, exactly. Chris knows where I was going with that. Everybody's all fun. Ooh, oh, Wes, we love Wes. And I'm like, huh. Mm, they obviously never played for Wes because there was there was many 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 uh, oh tense moments at the end of nights around the earth. Oh yeah. yeah. So oh, yeah, I, I, yeah. Love, I mean, Chris, I love Blues, talk about talk about. I, I mean, I think it, I saw I saw Biederman put something up, and it is a while ago, and he said, "I think the three bands who played at Blue Decent Mode were, of course, he's." He, talking about his own band, but he says for <laughs> bonus one, attitude and blind illusion. And I go, or attitude in believe I don't mean attitude, attitude adjustment. Let me right. be very specific. The both. bonus ones, attitude adjustment, and both really, thank you. And and blind illusion, I'm like, wow, you're kind of right. Because those are three different bands from three different areas. You're talking Concord, you're talking Berkeley, and you're talking fucking El Saab, you know, and uh, they all, those three bands played heavily at Ruthie's, you know, and that's just so funny too, the whole Ruthie's thing, you know, all these bands, all these self-taught bands, we were just all these bands. You guys are all going to play together. Well, no, are we punk? Are we metal? 
Are we punk? Yeah. Are, we me- are we metal? Are we punk? It didn't fucking matter. You were playing at Ruthie's. Every other band was completely different than the. Uh, yeah, up to a point. Up to a point. Legend, when it legendary was time period for sure. Yeah. Oh God, that fucking that post that flyer I put up. Why? And I put it up every year or so, but or every six months. Is that? Uh, oh, it's when he was recording the record. And it was at Runner's shows, and it was right around New Year's. And we, you, me and Chris both played a show. It was the when he's recording the um, Easter Fun album. Yeah. And these gigs are like, what's the last one? It's the Mentors, DRI, and the Melvin. And it's like, what crazy nut job booked that show? I mean, I just went, oh, I'm a must. And it was New Year's Eve. I mean, just the nuttiest, nuttiest crossover show. Yeah. So fun. Max, what gave fun you yeah. what, what gave, who whose idea was it to cover Aerosmith's train kept a rolling all night long, but you guys made it the keg kept a flowing well, all night long because that's bad. Okay, that's all. That's all. Uh, Tom Montana. Okay, wait um, a minute. Now, I got to put the brakes on right here. <laughs> that's not Aerosmith's song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, that's the first. That's the first song that Led Zeppelin decided to oh, cover when they. My bad. I got. I got. I got the, the Led very, Zeppelin oh, historian. Oh, yeah, my bad. You just got a music slap, <laughs> Mr. Zeppelin guy. God, I got to tell you, Zepp, I would never. Dude, I you, forgot. You're asking the wrong I, guy. I forgot I was uh, interviewing Bonham Jr. Man. <laughs> okay, and I do want to say that something Black right Crow now. Song, uh, hard to handle. <laughs> that's well, right. That's considered an American. Frank uh, Emperor is considered one of the American classics. Right. Yep. So Whoever it's actually it. kind. Of, uh, and I've done the research. So uh, the first recording is like 1951, and it's it's an old guy in the South, just like what you would think. Yeah, it wasn't and Led Zeppelin who ripped off it's every considered an blues American music. Classic. It's not. It's not copyright. So it's an, an interesting right. song, but, uh, but that's total Tom Montana action right there. Dude. Awesome. Yeah. Epic. So that's all. But you got to realize, dude. I mean, so 1983, we were kids that went to started Berkeley High in 1978. Right. What were we listening to? Well, Rock we were listening to Van Halen One. We were listening to Toys in the Attic. Hell yeah. I Devo. mean, it's what we're, yeah, we were listening to to yeah Devo. The first punk rock records, of course, but the, I was talking about 1978. Right. First yeah. punk rock records were like 79, 80, really, when they came, when we finally got our hands in it. Cherry Bomb. The Avengers, the Dead Boys, uh, the Ramones, the Sex Pistols. I mean, there was, like, there was like 10 records, Devo, New Wave, but that was big in the skateboarding thing because one of the, the first videos was them. Uh, freedom of Choice. Cool. Marina That's Del Rey, right. yeah, Freedom of Team Alva. They were fair. Yeah, exactly. And so... Uh, I mean, I don't know. That was kind of the breakthrough stuff for me. I think a lot of this, you know, it was just, it, it really breakthrough for me with the first circle jerk record. Right. To, to be perfectly honest, was brute sex. Then everything for, was like fast. Way, <laughs> well, everything was fast. Everything was connected. And it was a depth. And what I mean by that are songs went from song to song. It was changed to me, kind of changed the way a lot of people play music. Um, and fast. Lucky's drumming was pretty incredible on that. Yep. To be perfectly honest. So yeah, it was quite some uh, time before you had three minute thirty five second songs happening. Right. People were like, yeah. Okay with your fucking opus, dude. <laughs> well, 
And like, oh, there nice, was already nice the journey you took me on. You know, I mean, if you play <laughs> yeah, fucking well, a four-minute song, people are like, fuck, these guys are yes, I'm out of here. Yeah, exactly. You could that, killing that point, you know, I mean, you're killing it. People are like, okay. That's great. Yeah, at that point, then the DRI record came, was around. Yes. That first seven. That's right. Now, you want to talk about changing the face of music. Because when that's 45, everybody got, and it was just that, they, like, people would listen to it and put it down and go, well, that's a trip. The fastest band in the world. And, like, go, uh, have you heard that? Or have you heard this? Your I 7 inch? Oh, yeah, 22 songs on a 7 inch? Yeah, there were what? three. There were three bands that came what? out around then. It was M- it was DRI, also yeah. Stark Raving Mad from Texas, and right. then a band from Canada called the Neos. And yeah, MDC. You but know. you know what the thing about MDC is? It's it's still there's still tons of acid jazz being played. Yeah. On yeah. That oh, style. You're the, you know, you've got the drummer Al drumming. Oh my it's God. total yeah. jazz. It's like full jazz yeah, exactly. experience, Three but it's got, got punk edge to it. But yeah, here we are in the middle of punk rock history 101 with Jeff Salgado. I love it. This is the, I'm, I'm, yeah, told, I'm like a I've kid. I've heard of Chris, <laughs> Chris speak of Alice Drumming before. Right. Oh, I've yeah, heard of Chris Conter. I've heard of, yeah, and, and, it's, and then you, listen, you take that into consideration and you listen to it and you go, dude, wow. You're like, who taught this guy how to play drums and, right. and play this music? And he obviously didn't. He didn't start as a punk rock drummer. No, he's a Krupa. He's a Gene Krupa yeah. freak. Right. You know, he's a full-on big band jazz, fast hands. You know, yeah. big band jazz drummer. You know, this is the thing that the progression of like with the boneless ones. You know, by the time they're recording, oh, yeah. they're, By the time they're recording, the Skate for the Devil album, it's highly refined. They've got a Joe Satriani top 10 tier uh, guitar student on guitar, Luke Skills. The party vibe is the there. There's, there's a professionality going on that was palatable at the time, even though it was party rock and, and right. fun. You know, there well, was a thing. My, my question thing, is who was Miss Fresno about? Oh, the song. Oh, yes. What happened? <laughs> Did we lose Max? Oh, I'm here. <laughs> no, no, I'm right here. Hey, listen. So, Tom, listen. Just, I want to cap one thing off. So, we uh, we're getting ready to play a party for another racer named Jeremy Anson, whose nickname is Romo. And these are all BTU guys, which was the part of Berkeley punk rock scene. Another part of music. But at any rate, we're going to play this guy's birthday party, and we wanted to do a song. The song actually started as a birthday song for this guy, Jeremy, and we played at a house party. And it started as, we got a keg, let's have a party. And I think the words went, Jeremy's birthday tonight, or something like that. So in reality, the lyrics in the song are all about motorcycle and crashing the motorcycle. Somebody packed it, somebody ate it, and somebody died tonight. It's about crashing your motorcycle. Racing your motorcycle. And I know it's kind of bad, but this was a song we wrote for somebody's birthday. So that's the background of Kate Kept Pulling. So it was gotcha. just like a song that had been kicking around in our in our heads from growing up, listening to Aerosmith, Toys in the Attic, and awesome. Live Yeah. Now, now who, wrote, who, who wrote and what is Miss Fresno about? 
I'm going to have to say Troy wrote Miss Fresno. I, I would be a good quote. I mean, I, I wrote the lyrics. Credit. Uh, it's about a, a two girls that we met in Fresno. It really is about girls in Fresno. One was a heavy metal chick that came on to call Montana. That was dressed in spandex leather, and one was a skateboard girl. Awesome. A skater chick that had a big half pipe called the Ark. It was down there, and it was skate 48 Betty. feet wide. <laughs> skate Betty. Yeah, exactly. yeah, she owned a ramp. Betty. Yeah, and she, and she owned a ramp, and it was 48 feet wide. And, she, and the ramp was called the Ark. Oh, it's a super famous ramp from the 80s. That's awesome. So, yeah. Fuck. There you go. So it's, it's based on a lot of those songs. You picked it apart. Like, everybody goes, oh, Jason's so sad. Well, Jason was my roommate that passed away riding a skateboard. Oh, sorry to hear right? that. So, I mean, you, you pick it. Yeah, a long time ago. Pick it all apart. The songs, a lot of stuff's based on shit that can really happen. Right. So, That's a joke. so Max, <laughs> back in the day, including back in, skating for the devil, right? Exactly. Yeah. So back in this day, in this time period, what was your favorite skate deck, and what, what were you into? I like as far as skateboards. Skateboard. Yeah. What, what skateboards uh, did you ride? Uh, I at that at that exact period, I was pretty influenced by our friend Tom Tom McGraw over in San Francisco. Tom McGraw. Owns, free beer. You know, real skateboards. Uh, well, free beer, of course. Yeah. Uh, we got a, a lot of skateboards. Uh, given to us kind of a sponsorship thing that's right so we were riding a lot of uh powell crowd sports uh i have historically ridden zorlac boards which are from texas that's kind of another yeah. punk rock thing. Was it, um, which one john then, gibson or the uh so, yeah the other gibson board yeah or the, or the craig uh, johnson the zorlacs the zorlacs are kind of a trippy oh, i'm sorry the metallica boards are kind of this weird bomb shape and it's a cool board it worked a small fortune now but really i had a metallica just board a weird shape Oh yeah, fuck. Oh yeah, I wish I still had. Oh, that yeah, don't raw, go on eBay. That deck yeah, no, raw and used is shocking. Yeah, go go on eBay and see how much it was. No. Um, at any rate, no, you know, so those kind of those couple companies, you know, Santa Cruz, but them West Coast. But what about you? What were you riding back then? I, I was actually riding a Metallica Zorlax skate deck that was pink and had the the, the pirate right. It was the pirate design, nice. and that thing. Yeah, I had sure. no idea what happened to it. And I was into. Uh, I also had a, um, a Tom Knox and a couple others. I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I still have most of them. And uh, I have a Zorlax that just has the logo on it. And I actually we got yeah. we got we got pretty hooked up from this uh, skate team down in San Diego called Blackpool Skateboards, and they they still hook us up all the time. So they're really cool. Nice. I'm, right. I'm wearing their hat nice. right now. I didn't even realize it. <laughs> I, got a nice. Couple of, nice. I got a couple of psychosomatic decks here at the house. Yes. I, uh, I got to tell you, that's one of the best, the funnest things that, are, for me, one of the funnest aspects of this in Calvi, Facebook, has been putting the skateboards together. Right. Um, and working with manufacturers, working with these people, getting the graphics done. Uh, this guy named Brian uh, Dickey, that's a, he's the promoter up north, uh, up in Ukiah. And he's also a graphic artist. And he's yeah, see, great to work with. Go ahead. And he's cranked out a couple killer graphics for him. Mm-hmm. And I've been able to use a couple board manufacturers. And the stuff's just turning out fantastic. Yeah, back in, back in that day, not, we used not to, only, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I'm just saying, back in that day, we used to hang out with a crew that was like around a, a couple of stores. You had a store in Santa Cruz, a one in Salinas, and one in Watsonville. It was called Bill's Wheels, and they're still around in Santa Cruz, but they started oh, in Watsonville. Bill's, Bill's, 
Yeah, right. Bill's wheels yeah. are huge. Now. Yeah, and we I were. Mean, you say, well, I don't know how huge he is, but he's incredibly legendary. Definitely, and we used, to, we used to we had a whole crew in Salinas, and we used to skate all the time, and we used to always like hate all the bikers that would like skate, like try to like take the ramps. Every, oh, I'm sorry, Chris. I forgot we had Chris on the line. My bad. <laughs> Hey, tricks for kids, ride ramps. dude. I ride fast. I don't fucking. Yeah, that's the dirt one. Um, <laughs> yeah, back then we used to kick them off because we, and our claim was that the pedals would fuck up the ramp. That's right. That's I know. right. Absolutely. We wouldn't let, no, dude, you ain't riding the fucking ramp. Those pedals will fuck up the Masonite, dude. <laughs> we had to steal, you know how many cars, you know, or whatever. Here's a story, dude. Our guitarist from the first album, um, we were building a ramp, and if this was with Rick, if you want to know the truth, this was Rick Unal. Yeah. And, and uh, well, we we're all, you know, I'll sidebar real quick. Yeah, I'll sidebar real quick. You know, this whole watching the fucking murder in the front row tells me, you know, because ask these guys that are, we, we grew up together. We went to junior high school together. Mm-hmm. And, this whole, and don't get me wrong. And yeah, I know everybody met at Ruthie's, and it's fine, and it's what ended up happening. It's just for everybody. It's the meeting point. But it just kills you, too, because I'm like, oh, no, dude, I went to junior high school with that fucking guy. Oh, that guy went to El Cerrito. I, we hated those guys. You know what I mean? So it's funny to be growing up in the area now, and it's like so known for rock. You totally. know what I mean? I love and it. like, oh, the, the possessed guys. Oh, those guys are north side. And I'm not kidding. We're talking about inside of Berkeley. Right. We're talking about the same town. Oh no, dude, those guys are north side. That's how small <laughs> the fucking town was. Well, you uh, know, it's kind of a fucking. It's no, kind dude, of an dude, intense. It's kind of an intense trifecta, though, going on here as well, because you know, it's music, it's skating, and it's BMX. Right. You know, the yeah. you know some of the baddest of the fucking bad uh, came out of this fucking place you know and and you know it's, you know chris interesting chris you know? I, I wanted to ask you a question okay now i know that like you really took off in your bmx career like as of late but how were you this successful with it back in the day or was it just lately no see what see the the music came on so fast for me and i was playing at such a vigorous pace with bands all of a sudden it was about being in bands that i i had the foresight when people started showing up in casts on crutches i'm like there goes drumming right right so you know i had the mongoose i had all the you know z rims with the whole pack you know everything fucking great was on my bike and i was following around darren vanilla and you know seeing all these i never went to a real race but i was going to all these gorilla spots and all these old you know cutouts and creeks you know and bancroft and you know, Twilight and all these different places you could go ri- and, ride and, and jump and, and taking over those. and taking over skate ramps. <laughs> Not really, because none of none of those guys that I was riding with, you know, Bob Madrona, every those guys were all race. Sick. I mean, they could do tricks and right. shit, but they were all about racing. They were Skyway racers, and you know, race for the Pattersons. Oh and, yeah, you know, shit's badass. Everybody was, you know, hardcore with it, and I just kind of went back. It just pushed me off. Is you know, I was trying to do shit that was huge, that would result in the drumming going away. So, I fucking backed off it, and so had no idea that this guy was like hiding in me, uh, you know, for the better part of thirty-seven years or whatever, thirty-five years. 
Um, yeah, it was it was really impressive to see you just really come into it like late and kill it. You know, because you were dude, you were racking up trophies all the time. We we're like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, I mean, I won the, I, I won the, you know, that that first seven months transition with losing 129 pounds and then learning the sport and winning the Grand National title Badass. in seven months was yeah. just like a total unshackling for me at that point i left i wrote a lot of crazy off at that point and um super cool community that comes with it and just like the skate world and everything it's it's not as gnarly and and punk rock but the vibe and the support and the encouragement it's a trip it's a fucking cool ass sport it's super niche dude there's only like twenty six thousand people that race bmx right. canada and the united states but i mean even back in the day we always we always had bikers in the crew you know like bmxers they were always right. like lurking around and it was totally cool as long as you didn't like start rolling like rollerblades then we would like really start fucking gurning on you hard <laughs> right well it's like t- they, you know and there was that total separation too it's like you know there was the race people and then there was people that were in way more into park and ramp right and Big flatland dirt you know dirt jumping and shit like that and then you had people who raced and people were like okay i'm not trying to race bikes you know i mean just to- yeah, you know hey i want to point something out you know i mentioned a group a little while ago that's this group btu that's punk rock group and uh, towards the end but you know it initially started as a race team yeah okay. um, a bicycle bicycle downhill race team because Berkeley yep. where he got grew up in hilly you know comes down you know Berkeley Hills comes yeah. down yeah you know and so that group although they kind of morphed into a couple different things it's still now that the punk rock has died down now that they're in their 50s it's now completely a bicycle race team again yeah so uh, it morphed from a bicycle race team to a punk Sure. Mark Ailey came out and got his BMX on for the past like three years. You know, he's back to skating more now, but boom, he was all of a sudden on my team, you know, old schooler knows Howard knows the whole Hank and Frank crew and all those people and Mike Gervin and all that. Mike Gervin's racing up in Washington. You know, and no, he races. Killing yeah, he's killing he races it. So. With his son. Yeah. It's a I trip. mean, how full circle is that? Totally. You know? It's awesome. So these guys have been grown up with, they're now not only, still do it and some of them left they left they didn't come back yeah some of them have never stopped so it's pretty amazing so max you know all these and all these things are incredibly healthy so yes go ahead but like in, okay you guys released um skate for the devil in 1986 right and then all of a sudden it, it was is, just like yes. nothing what happened after that oh nothing what happened after that so that's kind of interesting so um, well, a lot of things happened that way. Okay. Uh, and not only for for each of us individually, but as 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 a whole, the group. Um, geez, what happened? Well, Chris continued on with. Uh, well, I ju- we, we, we jumped up. We, 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 we jumped over. I was double. I was double teaming with attitude adjustment and the bonus mm-hmm. ones. Oh, I didn't mm-hmm. know that you were um, playing back then. Oh yeah, yeah. I was oh, the okay. last drummer Chris before played, the breakup. So yes. yeah, I played. In the band for what? I don't know how, how many. Everything was flying uh, so fast. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe two two shows. Yeah, a total of eight. Uh, and not nothing that it's short, but maybe a year. Oh, it was super short. Six, Six. Ten months. Okay. Yeah. We had gotten back from tour in '86. Uh, DRI uh, Circle Dirt Tour. Yeah. That was the release out tour with Tim Stiletto, and that's when we changed uh, drummers uh, to Chris Contos. Played a couple shows. What happened to the band? So, so let me keep going. Um, yeah. 
the band morphed, the band quickly, the actual band morphed into another band called Hell's Kitchen. Oh, I know who Hell's quickly. Kitchen is. Okay. And, 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 and so Hell's Kitchen and uh, released uh, at least one release on Boner and then maybe another on a different record label. I'm not 100% sure. Right. Um, they put out three albums. Follow up. Very, very much so boom, boom, boom. So without dropping the ball, really, because there was a, an active group and there was material that had still been kicking around. It was available and just still. Yeah, that was Tom Flynn. It was, it was Tom sure. Flynn. It became kind Fang. of a super group at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Tom but, Flynn from Fang, Dave Chavez from Verbal Abuse Singing, uh, Troy from Boneless Ones, myself from Boneless Ones, Attitude Adjustment, and, and, Luke, and, and Luke, Luke Skeels. From Ones. Yeah. Yeah, from Boneless Ones. Yeah. You know, I walked into a bit of a hornet's nest with the the band kind of on the verge of breaking up. So I was kind of just like, whoa, shit, what's going on? And the way it between all went the down. Bonus ones there. Yeah. Yeah. Between, yeah, between the bonus ones and them. Okay, I got a, I got a question. I have a question. Okay, the bo- back to the keg kept it flowing. Now that was not only released on Thrasher's Thrasher magazine; it was also released on mm. the Boners Be Popping. Is that the same track? It is now. What's weird is we recorded special tracks at Tom Mallon, Tom Mallon's studio in that same session. Uh, we recorded a version of Rock and Roll Slop way before it was released on the album uh, for Thrasher. And he said, no, we don't want it. We this track here, this is the one that's going to gonna hit. Right. And it was K kept it flowing. And I went, well, that's already on another record. He said, it, it didn't matter. They told us. Right. They told us what they were going to do, and we went along with it all pretty that way. So, no, it's the same exact track. I know it's odd. Um, what do you do? Hey, whatever. I mean, you guys, you know, I, I, I was glad do? to see you guys. You guys uh, were on there with Fang, Verbal Abuse, Blast. I have walked. Yeah, that's I've walked in airports. Be awesome. Yeah, I've walked through airports and people have gone, hey, crap, the flowing from other parts. And I've gone, what the fuck? So, people remember that song. I'll put it to you that way. Um, so, what happened to the band? I'll tell you. That album sat dormant. So what happened to the, uh, the record is interesting. Um, Tom Flynn pressed it. There's another label in Europe pressing the album the whole time. So in reality, that album sold, sold uh, quite a few thousand copies. Or, or for punk rock, quite a few thousand. And the thing is, is that 10,000 records with your punk rocker is supposed to be a gold record. So I don't know how close we can that, but that's a little inside kind of punk rock thing. Um, I was at Dormant for a long time. I approached Tom maybe a year and a half ago. He wasn't interested in putting it back out. Oh, wow. So I had to get back the rights to the album from him to give it to the new record label. And that's Beer City Records, right? That is Beer City Records. Killer. It is Beer City Records in Milwaukee. Now, so I was opening that up for you. And skateboards. Yep, that's right. And now, now, yes. uh, Max, do you guys do you guys have any plans? I mean, obviously, you know, we're shut down, but do you guys have any plans to record anything new? By all means, yes, I do. Uh, yeah, yes, buddy. Fuck yeah. Uh, so, what we have planned to do is let's go back into the studio. We're actually start very soon, and we've actually already been going back into the studio since the shutdown. We've done it a couple of times already. Working on new material. Um, it, I've already been offered to put it out on Beer City Records, which is a pretty big compliment when, I, when you know much about Beer City Records and its history. 
um, they don't do new records. Right. They don't particularly put out. The only band that they work with that puts out new material is GRI and NBC. Right. And, and, and those are the only band working. Do you? Uh, and I told them, so you know more about it than I do. But in general, they might have another. I think there's a band called Population Control yep, that Mike's right. doing right now. That's, that's that's out kind of working because I know he wanted us to play with them. He wanted to send them out here. So I'm not saying that there were, there's only three bands on the whole record label. There's only a handful of bands, right. and that's being offered to put out a new album is pretty, pretty. You, now who's it's great. It'll, who's all yeah, the, who's in the new lineup? Uh, Chris Contos returning. Troy Takaki, who was one of the core members along with myself from the beginning. Right. Uh, well, almost the beginning, except one show, uh, one off show. Um, uh, and uh, Greg Elliott, who is an old, who's, who's also in a band called Fuckem, FUKM. Um, besides that, I, I don't even know Greg from from his band. I don't live in Oakland anymore, and I haven't for a number of years. Uh-huh. Um, I know Greg. Greg and all of us uh, have been friends since we were all teenagers. Awesome. So Greg is in a Oakland, Oakland, uh, Oakland native. Uh, we've all known each other for over thirty years. Yeah. Okay. Um, he, he, put a, a, he put a run he, in. He put in a run with fucking Hell's Kitchen after I was out. Mike and, Branham from Capital Punishment. And he fame. just recorded. Yeah. He just he just recorded with Verbal Abuse. Yeah. For the new tribute song. It's and all incest. He, it's all fucking. Very much so. A crazy fucking fucked up incest. But it's in every scene, kind of, in a way. He came out to our first show, our first reunion show, and it was great thing. Pictures on the internet, pictures of Mount. Um, yeah. And he was a natural fit, man. I called him up, and he was, he was, he had the, he knew every song that we were doing within seven days awesome. and was ready to go in and play. Yeah. So. It's been a perfect fit ever since, and so that's yeah. Because there's no way there was like there was like no way to go into this looking for a Luke Skeels. You know what I mean? The 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 playing and you know the the fact that he was a top tier tenth student of you know Satriani. It just it is what it is, man. I mean the bar work, the fucking hammer ons, the fucking technical fucking vibe that he had. Insane. Yeah, you know. I mean, you just. You know, we didn't even want to look well, for that. Well, Greg's pretty cool, man. Yeah. I've, I've played a couple shows it's, with it's him. About, in his it's about bands. playing with feel. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's really good. And if you can do fills, the, the main thing is, is can you do fills between the riffs? Right. You know, that Randy stuff. And it, it's not the same notes, but it's the, 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 the placement. The you vibe. Know what I mean? Yeah, the vibe. The vibe. You know, the cool little licks, the off the lyric stuff, the, the bluesy and kind of metal vibe. Um, oh shit! Yeah, you know, you're jamming it all up. Alternated it, 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 fucking butt rock. You know, that's the whole thing. Can you be butt rock? Because that's <laughs> that's the core of of the bonus ones. Right. It's fucking. It's awesome metal butt rock. Skate punk. Rock. You know Skate about butt rock. yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> great. You know and. You know, it's it's uh, you know, Skate for the Devil. The song is you know touted as the greatest fucking skateboarding song of all time. That's right. You know, and so when you know you have something like that, when when Max you know asked me, you know, we've been talking about this for years. Oh wow! When we reconnected, and it was yeah. Like, so me and Chris, we, me and Chris reconnected probably uh, I don't know, eight, eight years ago. Yeah. Uh, probably so. So yeah. I, and just hanging out, just like dude, what are you doing? 
like, hey, I'm going to be in town. Let's go to Burger Boogaloo. Yeah, you got tickets? Let's go. You know, shit like that. Like, right. like just keep going down. Sick. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really... So I've been bugging. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I've been bugging Chris. Things have been popping up. I've been getting emails for years now, and it kept getting them, and they started yeah. getting more and more and more frequent. And then I got an email from Eddie Jennings, or no, I got a call. And Eddie is, Eddie ran the I-Beam in San Francisco for many, many years. He also ran all the Jack's bars, including the bars down in Los Angeles, Jack's Sugar Shack. And I played down there um, in another band. And so Eddie was booking the 8th Street Fair for 2019. And Eddie called me and said, why don't you come play I said, I mean, Eddie, you want me with a fucking bongo and doing, like, spoken word? He said, oh, no. He said, I want you to get that skateboard band back together and come and play. <laughs> I said, oh, Eddie. I said, Eddie, <laughs> I've been trying to play. He said, not, and not that one band, because I was in a band. He was like, yeah, not that one band. How about the good band you're in? And I was like, oh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah, like, okay, killer, wow. <laughs> and um, uh, and uh I said, Daddy, I've been trying, but I put the word out. Everybody, and so the players, the guys, just the guys, the players, like it's a big, like those fucking Rolling Stones. The guy said, oh, shit, it's a viable gig. And, you know, time it happens. It had come to, you know, the whole, whole wheel had turned. It got back totally. to the point where, you know, we listened for worsening. We did was listen to the record and go, oh, this is pretty good. Yeah. Like, well, because think about it. We weren't getting back together and like a normal band does. We were getting back together and studying a record that was already done and studying it so that it sounded the same, not loose fucking versions of it. The same. Well, as much as we could, as close as we could get it. You know, right. you can't, it's not a rubber stamp. You can't just recreate everything, and especially with different with a different player. We've come really close, and it sounds really, really good. But it took a while. It didn't just happen. Well, we, you were know, just, into just, a studio. we were sneaking into a studio for fucking months before yeah. we played the first gig. We didn't tell anybody. And I'm driving down from Tahoe to Troy's coming up from L.A. It was like, you know, moving mountains to do all this, you know, at the beginning. So now it's, it's become a lot easier. What were you going to say, Chris? Oh, I was just going to say, you know, the reason it took a while is because, you know, I was going to say, Jeff, you know, we've played shows together. You've played shows for me when I've promoted them. And I, you know, I'm always about making special. Right. Don't fucking don't go in for the whole wherever there's electricity, we're fucking playing, you know, for no fucking yeah. reason. So I was hard on the whole concept of being like a skate contest. Let's play that. Uh, let's play oh, we're going for you know, something that has, you know, a meaning behind it and make it special. So it's not just, yep. oh, they're back and missed them there, missed them there. You know, I just wanted it to be cool. And then that fucking hate street fair thing came up and it was like, boom, that's perfect to play. And everything has been pretty fucking special and cool. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah. The last show at the Blue Light, that was super fun and cool and sad. You know, at the same skater time. Skater climbing. Skater climbing. Phoenix is pretty incredible, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, that that show at the Blue Lamp was like the last like cool show they had there before they closed down. It sucked, but it was a really cool oh, they show. Closed, I think they had one show that next Saturday, but that was it. Yeah, but I didn't care. I mean, so, yeah. You guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, but yeah, no, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, that was kind of sad. I was like, they're a great club. Yeah. You know, I, and also the, the freaking uh, Skater Con was incredibly sick. I mean, outdoor thousand people blah 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 skateboard contest this and that fuck yeah but then packing it up and like literally going home we go to chris's house that monday week maybe that monday maybe it was seven days later we're all sitting in chris's house and our phones are all start making these crazy noises never heard before but i had heard uh, it was uh, similar to the uh the, the tv thing when it does the broadcast warning that's what our phones started sounding like. Mm-hmm. And it was them calling the shelter in place. It was that Monday. Uh, we had yeah. just gotten back from SkaterCon. And they, like, because we were in the Bay Area, they called a, you know, emergency broadcast warning for everybody to go shelter in place. We didn't even know what the fucking noises. We were like, oh, what's that noise coming out of our telephone? I don't know. That's a That's weird scary. alert. I've never heard that one. And it was That's the fucking weird. go home and hide at the beginning of the COVID. That's how... So the, what I was going with that is that skater con event being so great and so killer, Phoenix, blah blah blah, one off. Come down, we'll take care of you. You know, because that's basically where the boneless ones are going. That's where where Chris was going. We're not particularly. We had we we turned down twenty shows in the year that we were before COVID. We turned down so many shows we couldn't do, it. and not particularly with our our, our middle finger in there, but. We couldn't play a Wednesday night at the Star Club. That's not worth it. We couldn't play Tuesday night at the Golden Ball. Right. You yeah. know, we missed some good things. Dave's birthday. We couldn't play the gig. We're kicker and all these fucking Oakland, you know. We couldn't do it. And it wasn't particularly for any particular, like, we're better than you do some total opposite. We'd love to do it. We can't do it. Right. We just simply we just can't fucking do it. It just functions. And at the beginning of this, the agreement we made to each other as a group was, we can't do every show. We just can't do it. We've had to walk away from all of our shows for the end of the year. It's no secret. Oh man. You know we got a DRI show booked up up north. We're not going to be able to do it. Yep. You know what I mean? I mean I I don't I can't I can't see Spike or Rob. I can't see those guys going out. No. So I mean because now it's the point. It's the reverse. So, okay, here you go. I got a call last week uh, for to go play the 50th anniversary at the Doll Hut in Anaheim. Uh, you guys go, almost once. You guys are hitting right now. There's a buzz in the industry. Blah, 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 blah. You guys are going to play. 50th anniversary. Taking temperatures. Face masks. And you go, hmm, how do you turn that down? Right. Well, the first gig happened, and the video comes out of it. And... There's nobody there. <laughs> Nobody's wearing masks. Yeah, fuck. Everybody's all huddled together. And it was just like, well, of course you can't. And I'm not bagging on the dollar. I want to go down there and play. Don't get me like anybody else. Right. But there's a time and a place for everything. That's right. You know yeah, the I mean? fucking comments, that was the comments alone fucking show it right there, dude. You look right. at the comments on those pictures from that fucking thing, dude. Yeah. And people yeah. are like, what the you fuck know, are dude. you doing? You yeah. know, like, you know, it's, it's just so, not time. It's not time, dude. I mean... Everybody, yeah, so we've had to, not only, yeah, so it's a weird scene right now, and, and by all means, 
it's horribly regretful. I mean, that's the core of all this. But we don't want to generate, we don't want to be the reason anybody gets sick. And not, and I don't mean ourselves. I mean, we're, we, I would be one thing of one of us getting sick, it would be getting with somebody else. Yeah, fuck that. And let alone somebody sick, let alone somebody dying. Oh, All right. So, so that, you know, you know because and of yet, that. It, it, you know, it's such an unknown thing. So that's an interesting thing that's going on with our gig now. It just is what it is. We've decided to, to go for meaningful shows. Not being said that you won't be seeing us at a skate park and skate park show in West Open. But it's going to be a fucking thing. You know what I mean? It's going to be like, you will know about it. Right. You know, so, but that's down the road. Not, none of that's going to be happening for quite a while. Nope. I'll tell you that. So, no. I mean, I, I was talking to Chris about this when we had him on the show earlier about it's looking at like 2022 at this point. And you know what? At this point, we've already like accepted that. So we're, as, as far as my band, we're just dumping everything out online to, you know, to keep people entertained and we don't expect to tour or do any shows because it's just not worth the hassle right now. And not only that, you're, you're going to be playing in front of empty shows. You know, you're not, you're going to be, a lot of people are going to be eating their ass off. No so shit. What's the point? Yeah. And the vibe is shot, dude. I mean, look, you know, if we were, if we were, you know, pop stars, you know, or something, you know, I'm sure that those kind of shows will come back. Right. Uh, because those people stand in place anyways and watch through their fucking phone. So sure, they're going to be like, okay, nobody's next to me for four seats and two seats in front of me. I'm cool. I'm right here. I'm watching the show. It's fucking whatever. You know, the metal scene and the punk scene and even the fucking Foo Fighters, dude. Anybody work. with a tendency to fucking crush together, crowd surf, mosh, do all that shit, act a fool. It's just not going to happen, dude. I mean, nope. you know, it's it's a it's a shame, but at the same time, you know. Uh, uh, you know, propensity to fucking be rebellious and fuck you, I'll do whatever I want. And that whole thing is kind of biting us in the ass in this culture in these times, you know, because immediately security teams around the world were like, not sending my people in. Right. And not doing it for a long, a, a long time. And they don't want to get sick either. Nobody wants to. No, they don't want to get sick. They don't want to deal with the fucking people just being out of control, you know, and it's like, it's going to set things back, you know, and, you know, things are totally different. And uh, I don't think that people are really scoping that, you know, I mean, we're we, the metal scene, punk scene was already super, super fragile. And I don't think people realize that as much as they should. And I, I think that with club closures, venue closures, uh, the cost of visas, you know, are going to skyrocket. Everything's going to skyrocket. The price of doing business for metal and punk is going to change completely. Right. And you know, the, the bands that persevere will, will, will make it, you know, through somehow if they stay focused, you know, but I also think there's going to be, and this is sounds brutal and it sounds gnarly, but I think there's going to be a bit of a culling of the herd. Pretty much, you know, and I want to just be brutally well, honest, yeah. you know, as far uh, you know, as... And I, I think that logic, the, the logic that would come out of that is keep a cool head right now for anybody, for groups, for couples, for businesses, anything. You want to keep yeah. a cool head right now because anybody that can get through this 
because of the attrition, and it's a shitty thing to say. Maybe it's a long term to use. But bands need to keep a cool head right now to try to stay together. Let me put it to you that way. Without saying anything mean. It's fucking stressful. It's stressful for everybody out there. It's a weird, unknown time. It's never been like this ever before in history. I mean, maybe not in our history. I mean, we didn't. We weren't around 1980. You know what I mean? So everybody just needs to try to keep a cool head right now. Um, it's not just my band, not just your band. It's everybody's band is on hold right now. Pretty much. So... Well, yeah, but then, you know, the, 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 side, the, the sad fact of the matter is, dude, is that there are a lot of people out there trying to push fucking gigs still and do gigs. Oh, I, uh, well, that, know, I'm, I'm reinforcing, I'm reinforcing that point saying, just take it easy, everybody. Yeah. The rest on your laurels a little bit. You know what I mean? It's not time to freak out and push to do radical things. Just, oh, we're going to play dirt parking lot, you know, and fuck, try to find, find out later that, you know, 20 people got sick. I mean, come right. on. You know what I mean, or, or you know, it's just, it's just not. I don't know. I, I am agreeing with you completely. It's too much yeah, of a liability. So, uh, and, and you know, and, and it's kind of another. You know, we're doing a reunion right now. We waited thirty-five years, thirty-four years, thirty-two <laughs> years, whatever. Right. <laughs> One more fucking year. All right, we just dropped an album. We've only been reunited for about 13 months. Right. I got a record company to put out an album. I got a record company that's going to put out our next album. Now is a good time to rest on our laurels a little bit, hunker down, write a bunch of new music. It's our sophomore album. But I think that enough time has relapsed that we're going to be able to go in and approach it as a new album. Fuck yeah. Because of the way where we're coming from. It's not our follow-up album. I mean, on paper it is. Not really. We're kind of starting fresh again. That's right. Because we have so much, so much, not only life experience, but also musical experience at this point. Everybody stepped back in as a better musician. And it's the craziest thing. Because we've all grown up. We're not the 22-year-old, 19-year-old kids anymore. We're grown-ass adults, and everybody can play. Everybody has got a pretty good hold of their instrument at this point. Except for me, but that's a whole nother. I'm joking. But um, <laughs> so it's interesting, Jeff, to walk back in on this because everybody, we walk into a studio and we're not fumbling around. The guys are pulling, you know, Troy pulls his bass out. Everybody goes, "Oh fuck, that's the stick bass from the album cover." He plays or one from of those the chords. House, you know, yeah, but it's the same fucking bass he had in 1986. Right. And he pulls it out. We all go. Oh my what God! The fuck! Like time what the fuck? You still have that? Yeah, it was in my mom's basement. No nice. shit. Nice. So that's been nice. That's been nice. Uh, and you know, back to the thing that everybody's just got to kind of figure out what they're doing, and it's too bad. But if you're a new band, keep practicing, man. Come out. We're sounding really, really good. You know what I, I mean? Think Jeff, I, I think Jeff nailed it when he said, you know, keep people entertained. Right, right. I mean, because oh yeah, well, that's sure. going that, down. That's a season band, yeah. Sure. I mean, do they do what everybody's doing? Do that's what we, we do, do another live, Jeff? We do another live stream next weekend. Fuck to yeah. give you an idea. Awesome. Everybody's got to adopt that. Tag yeah, in it, you know. So because that's that what we're incredible. doing. That's, we're entertainers, and that's the feed, you know. I mean, and and you know, there's musicians and there's entertainers, right. you know, and you know, staying focused and keeping people fucking happy and. You know, it shouldn't be that much of a leap, you know, for people to just kind of change the way they, 
put out their music the way they deliver the entertainment right now. Right, because you're, you know, you're talking about a whole shift of the scene. And if you think about it, I mean, the last 10 years have been a shift, right? Everything is online now. Everything is completely changed from when we were going to shows in, in the Bay Area. So Fuck yeah. it's just like you could have like a show that gets about maybe 10 people watching or you can get one that gets like 10,000 people watching. The really, it's how hard you work and what you're willing to do to get those followers. That's the new world we live in, unfortunately. It's not like how it used to be. And that's right. all that, like what you were talking about, either adapt or die. I mean, you know, I don't want to die, so you just got to yeah. swing whatever way the wind blows and uh, just get into it. I think uh, there's a lot right. of opportunity out there. You just got to figure it out. And it's, it's really hard for old guys like us. Cause we are old, you know, we're not kids anymore. And the kids definitely got an advantage over us cause they're just growing into this. This is their world. So, right. you know, and I, I think I've, I've reached a lot of kids to show them what our past is like. And I think they're really interested in it because it's something they'll never know. <laughs> right. No, totally. Totally. But hey, you know, uh, I completely, I agree with you there, Jeff. The the same logic applies to what's going on with the skateboarding these days. Right. The totally. nostalgia of the '80s is driving this one niche of skateboarding through the roof. I mean, it's just incredible the popularity of it right now. Totally. And I, I got, I follow Thrasher and Transworld on Instagram and I just look at all the shit these kids are doing. I'm like mind blown. <laughs> mind oh my blown. God. Yeah. <laughs> like I would never even think of that or try it. <laughs> yeah. And then there's like a couple of these like absolute fucking like performance art fucking skaters, dude, that are like the, the one guy that like, you know, he'll, he'll tail slide across four cones right and he does all those like crazy setup yeah. tricks with two boards yeah, and that's and that's andy anderson i already oh know who you're talking about dude is insane dude about. it's yep. like yeah. fucking so creative and Badass. over the top artistic oh, oh oh that's funny i said andy anderson so that's the guy that's the skater thing I'm not talking about. Oh, I know, I know. I saw so, you. I'm not talking you. about. I said that and went, oh, fuck. I'm talking to a bunch of metal guys. Yeah, that's not Airborne Andy I'm talking about. I beat him. Yeah, no, the no, kid's no. name was Andy Anderson. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway. But, like, you know, when, uh, you know, with skateboarding, it was like, I, I was just tripped by, you know, Back in the day, Rodney Mullen was all the craze, right? We were like, oh, my God, this guy's insane. And then the 90s, everybody was Rodney Mullen. <laughs> you know, they all well, were doing you know, those that, crazy that, tricks. Rodney Mullen, is, Rodney Mullen is these guys as big as it's racing. Oh, absolutely. That's the whole thing I was just talking about. This whole, this, and I use the term nostalgia, which maybe is the wrong term to use for what everybody feels about the 80s. But don't you think it's kind of, isn't it? In the fucking 80s, all the, the grown-ups were nostalgic about the 50s. Well, think it about the eighties. Um, I mean, eighties are happy everything. days and shit. Yeah, dude. Well, it's rock. weird, but I'm not, and I'm not kidding. In the in the eighties when we were kids or whatever, it was happy days and fucking driving <laughs> diners and all this. Because I guess it's because maybe it was a safe, happy time for Three, these people. Three's company, man. Maybe, Come on, and maybe the, maybe these eighties are. <laughs> but any, you, but I fucking trips me out that eighties, fucking eighties. I was driving home from 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 Reno just now. Eighties said it's the best of the eighties, and I was like. That's a fucking crazy station. Best of the '80s, and it was all Phil Collins and fucking all. I just like, well, that's Whoa. all. That's all that Spotify and all these streaming sources are showing right now, bro. Is is classic rock in the '80s? Wow. New music is completely huh. flatlined across the board during these past five months. It's 
the data. Well, because, yeah, think about the about. 80s. I, I would say this. The 80s were the last generation that had anything that was new, like really new, because you had metal, punk, skateboarding. Our whole subcultures were new. new and everything after that was just variations of those, because before right. that. Well, you, right. Grunge, grunge, is a, grunge is a spinoff of punk, I guess. I mean, I don't fucking know. 70s rock, rock really. 70s oh, rock. They just, yeah. I just watched that killer documentary called Punk. I don't know if you guys have seen no. it. It's What's it's, it on? Um, it's amazing. Um, I think it's on Epics on uh, Xfinity. That. I'll check it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's called Punk. Um, it's produced by Iggy Pop. It's oh, got fuck. everybody. I it's got everybody. That. Yes. No, it's got everybody. It's four parts, and they do trans go. They do trans through right into the Nirvana moment and the whole right. grunge thing. But they they lay off the metal. You know, they they stay on like, you know, Bikini Kill, L7. You know, actually, it's not grunge. It's more of the sub pop scene. Yeah. Right. So, you know, they kind of, it's very, I think it's really cool because we don't go into Soundgarden. We don't go into Alice in Chains and all that. You know, but they stay with the connection definitely in off spin of punk, dude. It's totally off spin of punk. You know? Yeah, no, it's interesting, but I like the point that the 80s. 80s was one of the last times that there was an originality to yes. much of any of this. Be it, right. be it skateboarding. Yeah. Think about the rock, the most- rock, like rock, like even top 40 rock. You don't hear, like, I mean, there's no kiss anymore. No, or, or, or you know, um, the early 80s, you still had, um, oh, you know, you still had the boys are back in town and shit. You know what I mean? You had, New rock coming out. It, there's none of that shit. It seems like anymore. Okay, well let me ask you. Let me ask you. There's not even. There's not even a fucking Glenn F- Smugglers Blues. Hold dude. on. Put hold that on. on. Right. Let me. Yeah. Amazing song. Let me ask. Nobody let can me, fucking even pl- do that anymore. Let me. Let me ask you either both of you guys. Okay, I'm gonna ask you first, Matt. What was the the number one '80s kind of let's say band or song that you hated back then but love now because you appreciate it? Uh, probably uh, there's a lot, man. Well, he asked me, you go first, Chris, you go first. Um, okay, Chris, I could not stand, yeah. I could not stand soft cell. <laughs> oh, and I fucking, you never listened to it. It rolled, it rolled okay. through on my YouTube. Cause I was checking out some music and it just rolled through. And then I was like, listened to every song. And I was like, oh, this is fucking actually really fucking cool. Right. How about you, Max? Yeah. Huh? I mean, it's going to be some, some rock group because I'll tell you, I skipped rock growing up because I had an older brother that was a punk rocker uh-huh. so I never got it well it would be something like it's going to kill Chris something like Led Zeppelin because you can <laughs> don't I don't want anybody to, I don't you got to dig it dude growing up Let's I was not I, I skipped that I didn't have a I was never into Led Zeppelin or Pink Floyd or any of that shit right. I never was that was never hard I went from listening to first record was Beach Boys uh, in the summer, little kid record. Second record was uh, C. Miller Band, Book of Dreams, The Pegasus. Right? Telegraph, I like these two records, right? Fucking, but then older brother, fucking Dead Boys. Went from 
Beach Boys to the Dead Boys. That's sick. You know what I mean? Yep. So I skipped a lot of that rock, quote unquote. The rock that I did listen to, the rock I was listening to, we were making fun of. Right. Right. Well, like he, like not making fun of, but listening to it and telling you. So Led Zeppelin and shit, shit like that. Right. So the, the one thing I, you know, I hated in the 80s, and I freaking despised him because my older brother was a huge fan, was Depeche Mode. I hated that band. He'd play them all the time, and it drove me crazy. But I tell you what, as of late, in the last like couple of years, I became the biggest Depeche Mode fan ever. And I think a lot of it has to do with me taking me back to the, that time period of the 80s, how you had the new wavers and the, and the, and the skaters and the punkers and the metalheads, and they were all like one unified. Like That was the culture back then. And now it's weird. You know, I can't even describe it nowadays. But back then, having that band like in the middle of all of that, it really kind of says 80s all over it. Every time I hear a Depeche Mode song, I'm like, rad. The fuck up part of that with those two bands, those, those two bands that you mentioned, you guys, yeah. were part of that rock of the 80s fucking thing. And we had that stupid station in San Francisco, right? And because Chris mentioned like skateboarders were kind of into Devo and shit, yeah. skateboarders ventured out into some of that rock of the 80s shit. Right. Now, I can't say because of having more punk off background, I listened to a lot of it, but Depeche Mode fucking... Oh, the band before Depeche Mode, fucking, uh, they turned, what did they start as? They started as, uh, Depeche Mode was, you know, and the guy killed himself, the singer killed himself. Uh, Are you thinking of, um, whatchamacallit, um, Joy Division? Yeah, Joy Division turned into Depeche Mode. Yes. Right, so so what I'm saying is there's darker side of that stuff, too. Level 42, there was a bunch of bands. Bunch of new order. Oh, there you go. You know what I mean? But I'm just yeah. saying, oh, you're right. You're right. New order. But I'm just saying, there was a whole radio movement of that. Regrettably, I listened to some of that stuff in the 80s. So, <laughs> I'm saying, I listened, to, I was, I listened uh, to most of that stuff back then. I Because uh, the San Francisco dance club scene and just going to all those places like 21 awesome. or yeah. Boss yeah. Club or and any those. of those, you know, Stargate out in Fremont and just any of those like new waves. I mean, you know, we were, new wave things, yeah. yeah. We were chasing fucking new wave girls back then, That's you right. know. And, and, it was and like, they, sure. they would flirt with the punkers and the skaters. I remember that little like connection there. It was pretty rad. Hell yeah! For sure. You know, I, I I went and saw Duran Duran at the Oakland Coliseum two nights in a row, and just me and like five punk rock friends went down there. We got in for free. Girls had extra tickets. They were like, "Come in with us." We're like, "Okay," you know. It was like. <laughs> So awesome. I always thought most of those bands were fucking awesome. I mean, I love like the '80s Susie and the Banshees stuff. Yeah, it's awesome. Now. I fucking love Adam and the Ants. I loved them when they came out. Thought right. they were amazing. You know, love Black Flag. Totally. Go figure. You know. Okay. Well, oh, uh, you took you a get... left hand fucking turn right there. <laughs> Do you guys have any closing moments for this? Closing moments. Yeah. We're gonna wrap. Okay, I'm up. having a moment. I'm having a moment right now. Have a moment. Okay, I just passed. This. Okay. Oh, that's disgusting. You mean, I didn't that say was a moment. I didn't say movement. Oh, I, oh, okay. So All a right. Moment. Any closing statements you guys want to say to anybody? Yeah, I'll say something. Um, really want to thank everybody for the support in this past year. Uh, it's been rough this past past few months. That's for sure with the COVID coronavirus. Uh, we're looking forward to recording this this new music for everybody. It should be a kick in the ass. We've got a 
we've got another surprise that's going to be coming out, uh, another piece of vinyl that hopefully is coming out before the end of the year. Some unreleased tracks that have surfaced. Um, other than that, we really, we're going to keep chugging along. We're going to go back in the studio and record another album. Fuck yeah. We want to thank Jeff, though, for the interview. You got so, it. And, and for being for being a fan. Absolutely. And being just backing us up. Yeah, exactly. Hell yeah, I love old school. Anything old, I'm all about it. And especially when I saw oh, you guys, yeah. I think it was Chris. That. Chris was yeah. the one that messaged me. He goes, "Hey, dude, I'm playing with the boneless ones." I'm all, "What the boneless ones?" He's all, "Yeah, at the at the at the, um, the Hate Street Fair." And I was like, "No fucking way! You guys are back together." I mean, my mind just popped out. I was so excited. And uh, awesome. but it's really good to catch up with you too, Chris. It's awesome. It's been, Hell yeah, brother! Been a little Hell bit. Yeah. I knew we'd have you back on, so I'm really excited. Glad to do it, man. Fuck yeah. So thank you guys. Fucking we'll be talking to you soon again. Everybody, the boneless ones. That was a great interview. I'm pretty happy with it. Um, boneless ones been around for a long time. It's really cool to catch up with those guys. The eighties ruled. And so, um, just so you guys know, you can stream our album when it comes out August 28th on pretty much anything, YouTube, Pandora, zoom, anything you can get your hands Spotify, on Spotify, all, all times. And, also, you can uh, stream this podcast and subscribe, follow, share, like on all the same platforms besides a couple. So I think, what do we do on this one? We got we got Spotify, we got Stitcher, iTunes. The only one that's still holding up and it's on Google is the Google problem. That's it. And I'm working on it. People, be patient. I don't know why Google can't recognize our podcast. They won't get back to me. But I'm working on it. So we'll get Google. But you can, if you can't get it on Google because you have Android or something... Just go to podbean.com and look us up, man, and you can stream it still. Podbean.com, for sure. And thank you guys all for listening. Have a great day, and peace. Peace.